available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. That's the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. We'll be fall of 2020 Pac-12 football, but we'll get to all of that. Yeah, it was a, it's a tough week, uh, David Woods. I feel a little lighter, like there's a load been lifted off my back, but there's not going to be, for a couple of different reasons, but there's no college football 2020 on the West Coast base, pretty much, Dave. Yeah, it's cool. Um, very fun. <laughs> That's cool? Yeah, very fun. Love it. Um, I'm, I'm a broken and bleeding man inside. Uh, yeah, so all announced yesterday, Pac-12, Big Ten, Mountain West, variety of leagues, more to come, most likely, um, all deciding to punt, as it were, on fall football. Yeah. Uh, so not that David Woods hadn't seen that coming, uh, but we'll get to all of that in a minute. I just want to like let everyone know uh, how to get a hold of us. You know, if you want to send in some questions to the show, the email address is packedfullpodcast at gmail.com. You can also call or text us, uh, 424-532-0678. You can do the Twitters, at Pac-12Podcast, and the website is Pac-12Podcast.com. We have a Reddit page, Podcast of Champions. We actually started uh, a questions thread over there, so we'll see if anyone... I just put it earlier today, so if not, uh, you can put some questions over there on the Reddit page, too, and we'll try to read those on the air. And as always, subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or any of the podcasting... uh, services you use but on apple especially we love to get those five star ratings we love to get the funny reviews and i think we got a couple more of them dave we did we do have a couple new reviews one from m lugo 518 says all i can say is wow ricky and danny are fantastic intriguing educational and emotional emotionally breathtaking there's no other way to describe this podcast. Sure, there are better shows out there, but no one gives you the massive pile of information these two do do. I prefer <laughs> listening while sitting on the toilet, so the stench matches the quality of the show. Also, if you're slow, dim-witted, or have a low IQ, this is the podcast for you. Just know that the time spent listening is time you'll never get back. That was a five-star review, everyone. That's a perfect five-star review. We love it. We love yeah. it. Uh, Death Cab Fan. Five stars. Subject line. Great guest lineup. (laughs) Great guest lineup. Um, The best part of their show is when they have a guest on every few years. (laughs) We've had guests on this year. We We had Wilner on like fairly recently, right? Like it was good. Sure. Sure. We could get him on again. Um, I'm really the stick in the mud there. I prefer no guests whatsoever, ever. True. If, if a guest is coming on the show, it's not because of David, I would say. No, if under that, no circumstances. I'm not doing the work to get them. 
I'm not at all interested in having them. It's it's all very welcoming and good. Um, hey, I just checked our Reddit page, and well, thanks for those reviews, by the way. Our, we got I posted an hour ago for questions on the Reddit page, and we have like five replies already. So that's crazy, blowing up. Yeah, uh, we should probably look at the Reddit page every once in a while. Yeah, we can think about it. Uh, yeah. Three three of the responses are from the same person. Okay, but still, we got something. Um, okay, so the. Uh, uh, breaking news, as you probably already know, uh, within an hour of each other. But the Big Ten went first. Big Ten canceled fall football. The Pac-12 tried to, you know, one-up them a little bit, cancel all of fall sports until January 1st of 2021. So no competitions in the Pac-12 uh, until January. So it's a pretty big blow, obviously, to uh, all the you know all the all of our listeners, to us. To all the college football players, we, you know, our hearts go out to all of them. Uh, you know, there's a lot of players that really just wanted to play, and there's a, you know, a lot of information out there of why this happened. Uh, but I know, you know why it happened. Did... Can I tell you why it happened? Sure. Why did it happen? Because uh, there's an ongoing global pandemic. Yes, there's that. But we played like you know back in the 1918s. We played through that Spanish flu one. You know. Well, shit, like when people were dying at like. 15 all the time like yeah we played <laughs> whatever rub some dirt on your scalp wound and let's get out there but no i mean and uh, there's an ongoing pandemic that's gonna still kill a lot of people and so you don't have group activities it's really easy really simple it's not that hard to understand it's just hard to understand here and it's hard to understand you know because we've got the context of other leagues deciding not to do this immediately um but this isn't hard to understand. It's only hard to parse because we are in the middle of the ongoing dumbest culture war in the history of the world. Okay. I think that's all fair. Um, and you did mention this is sort of going to be like the limbo period, right? Because we thought the Big Ten and the Pac-12 would go arm in arm. Uh, I thought it was going to be a mistake if the Pac-12 went first because there was some thoughts that the Big Ten might hold off because of the player movement, The you know, when the... Yeah. The two groups, you know, bound together and they thought, well, maybe they're going to take a pause. And if the Pac-12 was left out to dry by themselves, I think it would have been tough. They're already getting a lot, a lot of crap going with the Big Ten and the Big Ten is way more powerful. Um, but, you know, having a partner in the Big Ten is is good for the Pac-12. But we're in the limbo stage, right? Oh, yeah. It's a little I wish I had some limbo music. Um, you know, the Big 12 was sort of like you weren't sure which way they were going to go. And they were kind of like that that fifth whatever Supreme court justice. I know there's more, there's more than that, but uh, they were the, you know, the, the deciding vote and the sec and the ACC were going to plow ahead. Uh, heck the ACC is going to start like in a couple of weeks playing. Um, no, they're starting the beginning of September. No, and then the- they're saying they're going to start in a couple of weeks. Playing. Okay. <laughs> um, so here's, here's the thing. Okay. So at every step of the way, what has happened is that the big 10 or the PAC 12 has moved with a plan and then the other leagues follow in some measure of time. The Big 12 didn't even release a schedule until today. The Pac-12 yeah. did that, I think, two weeks ago now, right? Um, they're, they're following. It's just taken them some time. And I think the reality... And uh, look, I was pretty goddamn sure about the Big 10 and the Pac-12. I'm not as certain about the other leagues. I don't have as good a feel for like the craziness about the politics in that region and just what that might entail for the decision makers at the various schools, because rest assured, this is entirely a political decision now. Um, but uh, 
I think it's all about assuaging their fan bases at this point to show them that they did everything they could to have a season. And the way you do that is by not canceling the season a full month before the schedule starts. They want to show that they've given it every possible effort. And I think even the statement from Greg Sankey kind of demonstrated that. He was like, we're going to be patient. We're going to continue to look at things. We're going to, you know, really try to, you know, basically look under every rock to see for a solution. It didn't seem like the words of somebody who was definitely going forward with playing in a month. Um, even the Big 12, I, I didn't get anything that strong from them. I think they're doing what the Big 10 and the Pac-12 have done over the last couple of weeks, which is release a schedule and basically media types are running with it because, again, everyone is in. everyone has picked a side in the ongoing dumbest culture war and a lot of media types have picked one side and a lot of them have picked the other side. It's it's just it's just culture war stuff, and what's being signaled now is that oh they're gonna play when there's nothing more sure about them playing than there was about the Pac-12 a week ago. They've got the yeah. exact same stuff set up. They've got a schedule. Yeah, the Pac-12 had a schedule two days ago. What happened? Um, and I think the reality is, and I, I think this is just what's gonna drive the decision, even if it's not just the obvious. Um, there is going to be a lot of liability consideration. Now, I'm not a lawyer, and I don't know exactly how that's going to play out, what the validity of, validity of the potential claims would be, but you have to at least consider the idea that you could get hit with some sort of gross negligence if you go forward with a season when all of your peer leagues, or at least two of your peer leagues, decided not to, um, and what that could mean for potential illnesses and heart conditions and yada, yada, yada. So... I think at the end of the day, to diminish liability, they're just going to call it. But we're going to dance through this next two weeks wondering if and when that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I guess the question is, is it a dance or is it a this is what we're going to do? And now there's a competitive advantage if you're able to do that. Now, they're, you know, talking to people from the Pac-12 side, uh, you know, there's the question about transfers and things like that. You can. Whatever side you're on, you can say, if you're the SEC, you can say, those West Coast pussies, they're not blah, blah, blah. Or if you're the Pac-12 or the Big Ten, you're saying, we really care about the student athletes. We're not going to put, you know, putting a product out on the field so for our television partners just, you know, and put them at risk. So I think there's, it depends on what camp you're in and you can sell, just like any other thing, you can sell that, um, you know, what your side is doing. But I'm, I don't know. I don't feel I mean, I felt pretty confident, like after the Big Ted made their announcement, I tweeted like you should have the Pac-12 one, you know, really soon. And it was like within an hour. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12. And it's uh, this is this limbo period and it could go on a couple of weeks. The problem is the ACC is starting, you know, they're, they're scheduled to start football in early September and one of the weirdest things I saw, Dave, I don't know if you saw this, but there were some videos going around. Um, I think it was after the, uh, you know, we want to play the hashtag. What was it? We want to play. We got something like that, whatever it was, um, you know, that they wanted to play. It was from Wake Forest and it was the president of Wake Forest on the practice field addressing the team. Everyone's wearing masks, talking about how, you know, they they want everyone to be safe and, and you know, you guys want to play. We want you to be able to play. Like captains were up there speaking. They were in full pads, helmets. Like it was a real football practice that they were at with the president speaking about how they were going to go forward and play football and all this stuff. And it's like it it made it pretty obvious that the Pac-12 wasn't going to be able to go ahead and do that. 
since, you know, at least the California schools are nowhere near that right now. They can't even touch a football uh, to see someone else playing the same sport, essentially, that you're, we're talking about here on the Pac-12. It, you couldn't do that. Like, there's no f- full contact, you know, sport going on right now here on the West Coast. And that was going on at Wake Forest and other places across the South. Yeah, um, I, I think there's a lot of posturing going on for sure. Um, I just don't know how real it is. And just the ACC is not starting in a couple of weeks. They're starting on September 10th. Today is August 12th. Okay, so four weeks or a month. A month. We call that All a right. month here in here in the United States. I'm not sure what you call it where you're from, but here in the United States we call it a month. Um, All right. But I, I guess the, the 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 my big thing is. I don't see how there was much difference between what these other leagues were told versus what the Pac-12 and the Big Ten were told. I don't know how there's that much difference between presidential leadership at these schools. Um, I think what we're seeing right now, and this is just, again, like looking at who who are the people in this league trying to appeal to? Um, who are they trying to keep from, you know, deciding that they're going to fire the athletic department and everybody in it? Their fans and their boosters. I don't think ultimately they're going to make a decision about safety and liability based on the the feelings of their fan bases and their boosters. Um, but does it make sense to delay an extra couple of weeks and try to show that you've made every effort to make it happen, but it just can't happen? Or just, I mean, and in, in good faith, wait for more information. Maybe there's another study that comes out that's much more optimistic in a couple of weeks about the potential long-term ramifications of all of this stuff. I just don't see that they're going di- to... So what was I saying before the Pac-12 and the Big Ten announced their stuff, that it was like a 0% chance that they were not going to cancel? Yeah. So let's say the other leagues, it's a 2% chance they won't cancel. But I would say wow. I'd say it's almost certain that they're going to do it. Because I just can't see a way that they're... There's smart people at all these universities who are in charge who are not going to want the risk of a potential lawsuit of and in good faith, the potential that people get seriously ill or die from this thing. Um, So I think at the end of the day, that's going to reign supreme. But we're going to deal with a couple of weeks of posturing. We're going to deal with these press conferences on the football field saying, yeah, we're going to give it a go. Um, But at the end of the day, I just don't see it happening. All right. Um. Well, let's see. I got a few points I want to share because we got, you know, kind of some some meetings with people at, at the school I cover, USC, and we've seen John Wilner write about some similar things. I think these are like the main talking points that were disseminated or at least discussed uh, with the Pac-12 CEO group and the athletic directors and stuff. And it, you know, it made sense to me when these these were presented uh, to me by someone at USC. I'll share them with you and kind of get your thoughts. That There was basically four uh, main concerns. And all of these concerns appear to be like they could be a lot better in the spring, which would give, and we'll talk about that in a minute, like if spring could work. But I, I know you're always pessimistic about everything. So I want to get you, I'll tell you what those the four concerns are, and then we'll get your thoughts on that. And then talk about if we think that's enough, if those things are all better to uh, get in the spring. So one of the big things, and we talked about this kind of early, basically, like we know the California schools can't even touch a football. You can't lift a weight inside. Um, I guess Stanford can have a football between two people, but not uh, three. So there's the there's all these different counties. So the the there's basically eleven different 
uh, counties, you know, 11 different areas that, that, you know, in the Pac-12 footprint because USC and UCLA are in the same one. Um, but if you go after, if you say each school, so of the, the 12 schools, the areas around the universities in the Pac-12 are considered uncontrolled. So with the virus, four of them are considered extremely dangerous. So 5% of the Pac-12 footprint in just dire straits as far as the virus goes. So that's something that you hope is better in, you know, in January. It might not be, but that was one of the things where it just, just the ge- geography of the Pac-12 was a big, big concern. Does that make sense? I mean, it, it's pretty bad. Yeah, but that's pretty obvious. And it's and I, I think the important thing to note there is that's almost the entire country right now, too. Um, certainly most of the South. So it's not as if they're making a decision that is certainly based on the local situation, but they are making a more conscientious decision than other leagues have done to date. Because if, if the South, was, if the SEC and the Big 12 are using similar criteria, they would be making the same decision, if that makes sense. Okay, I, I, I think that's fair. I mean, there, there's some places where they're, I, I, there's some places that aren't as hot as a lot of the places in the Pac-12. Um, there's also, there's a big issue on testing and the straining the public resources in the community. So they give a comparison with the NFL. So right now, and the NFL, you know, billionaire owners, they have a partnership with a private lab. There's a mobile clinic at every facility and everyone, every one of those mobile clinics has uh, five staff members, five technicians, they can get test results for their players in every, you know, 15 minutes. They can go in, boom, 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 test people. 15 minutes later, you know what's going on. And so what happens is you can really eliminate the spread by as soon as you know somebody is, you know, is testing positive, they're out. Like, you know, right away. It's not two days later and they touched, you know, 50 other people. Like, it's, it's, that has been helpful. That's a, that's a lot of touching. That's a lot. Touching hands, touching me. Uh, so the NFL can do that. We can't do that in college football. But one of the reasons for optimism for the spring is that there's a lot of talk that there's going to be quick turnaround time testing that's really inexpensive coming down the pike. And that as early as November, uh, October, November, maybe December, you could be able to test like that. Um, and then you wouldn't have to send things to a lab. You would have your own, essentially your own machine on campuses and you could do the testing and, and know right away. And I think the the PAC 12, uh, medical people felt that that would be a big part of things where you could really help eliminate some kind of spread. If you had those kind of quick results and you were able to do testing inexpensively and on campus, I don't know if you feel that's a realistic thing or not. I don't know how realistic it is. Um, certainly, there's been some promising stuff, but it seems like there's some supply chain and bureaucracy issues with getting the testing back. I don't know if you could maybe centralize it a little bit more on these campuses to make it a little bit easier. But um, talking with some people, uh, from what I understand, it's the like bureaucratic element of you know filing the paperwork and all that kind of stuff that's actually making the testing slow in some areas oh, more than it actually is the test itself. Um, I could be wrong, but I, that's my understanding. But there's a lot of promising stuff I've been reading about, like spit tests, where you could just lick, yes. a, lick something with saliva, and then you get your results back almost immediately. Um, there was one article I read that I thought was really, really interesting, which was sacrificing accuracy for something you could do every single day when you wake up would probably be better, because you just want something that will give you a good gauge. 
So like a spit test that you just do every morning, more or less like a pregnancy test, like you'll pee on something or you spit on something um, that just gives you a, you know, blue bar, you're good or red bar, you're not so good. Uh, Something like that every single day. Um, Even if it's not perfect, it'll catch some percentage of people who are positive. And anything you do like that, it's going to diminish transmission and, you know, cut the the R not rate or whatever the hell that thing is, uh, the transmission rate, essentially. Um, so you would want something quick and easy. Uh, the longer the testing takes, the less um, effective it is. But that's yeah. all more broad community-based stuff. I think the big answer here, and I know I, I keep hammering it, it sounds like I'm being pedantic, but the big answer here isn't figuring out how to test kids on campus. It's figuring out the pandemic and anything we do, anything we're thinking about for campuses. Okay, well, let's translate that to the broader society and figure out how to do it there. Because if every one of us had a spit test every morning that we could take, that would tell us whether it's cool for us to go outside or not, based on whether it gives us a red bar or a blue bar, uh, that would diminish transmission very quickly. Um, Even if it isn't perfectly accurate, even if it's got like an 80%, even if it's only like 80% accurate. That would still give you a good gauge, and it would still diminish the transmission rate, and it would still get us back to a pretty good level pretty quickly. But that's the only way this is happening, is if community transmission starts dropping. Um, And I'm hopeful that happens, um, but it's going to take some work, and it takes more than just isolating on a single problem, which is the football season. Um, Oh, go ahead. No, 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 you're good. Go so uh, and, and I think that definitely makes sense. What the, the points that they were sharing with me were more about like managing us, you know, managing what we could do, you know, if you're a football team during the, you know, the pandemic and what would make it harder or easier to do, like having that testing, yeah. with the spit test in the morning, it's good. But can like connected with that is contact tracing and quarantining. So. And this is one of those things where it depends on what county you're in and what and what is the, the definition of close contact. Because if you have close contact with someone that has COVID, then you're supposed to quarantine for 14 days. Well, the problem is, and like in the NFL, what they do, everyone wears a bracelet and you know exactly where you are at all times. If you're within six feet of somebody for more than 15 minutes, then you know that's a close contact thing. And it's a, you know this technology thing. So they know they don't need to... Uh, quarantine a whole bunch of people that weren't around that person for college football. And I think for, I think the California school specifically, they're really loose or not loose. I mean, it's, it's strict as far as what the guidelines are. So basically if somebody on the UCLA football team contracted the virus, they would have to quarantine the whole team for two weeks and every player. It doesn't matter what you test. It's just, that's what you would have to do. So um, I don't think you can do that. And call it, and have a, some kind of college football season. You need to have a better way to understand who needs to be quarantined, who was you know who was really in close contact with that person, um, and then you know having more testing, I think, would help with that, where you could loosen the restrictions a little bit if you know everyone was getting tested like every day cheaply. Right. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I, again, I, but the, with all of this stuff, and these are the reasons these are the reasons they're supplying for sure for why they weren't feeling comfortable with it, but. I again go back to all this stuff only really makes sense if you are putting the players in effectively a bubble. Like if you're really going to control contact tracing, you need to control the contacts, right? Like you need to control how many people they're seeing and how many people they're talking to and all that kind of stuff. And I just, 
going back to all of the player concerns that I keep raising weeks over week, just I don't see a way. I don't really see a way a spring is going to happen if they don't figure out the pandemic itself. I guess is like my big go to here, um, because all of this stuff I think is going to inherently require more restrictions on athletes than there are on regular students. And when you start doing that, you go down a really weird road very quickly. Yeah. Well, one last one um, that they were that, that they shared with me, and this is the probably the most interesting one. It's, it's you know it's about the cardiac complications, the mitocarditis, um, a myocarditis. The uh, and for what we were told, it sounded like this is like the the concerns for this have been fairly new. This was like within the last like week, ten days. It wasn't like. Yeah, Something the study new... the, the study from uh, I read it yesterday. From it was, Germany, it was yeah, it was from July twenty seventh. So it makes sense that it was just the last couple of weeks. And so, and I think there were some uh, there were some athletes in the Big Ten that they they were you know showed signs of this. And yeah, I think the fifth, Big Twelve up to came fifteen out now. I think in the Big Ten. Wow. And it was like a it was a small. There was a couple studies. One of them was like a small German one. I think it was only a hundred people. Yeah. But seventy eight percent of them had some sort of cardiac issues. So. I think that was, and the the word we heard so often yesterday, David, was uncertainty. This was probably the biggest uncertainty that, hey, you know, these guys, they get COVID, maybe they don't even know about it, and they're not sick, they're they're fine, but then they have heart problems, they enlarge heart, and they, you know, it's something you can get from the flu and things like that, but maybe it's not that big of a deal, but it could be, and I think that's that was the biggest pause, like that was the hey, man, we might know about this, and if if someone's going to have a heart attack or whatever under our watch, it's probably not going to be a good thing until we understand this more. And I don't know if they will by the spring, but this seemed like a big one to me from what they were telling me. Yeah, and I was doing a lot of reading on it yesterday just to kind of get a handle on what it is and why it's um, – trying to figure out context because apparently the myocarditis is um, – can be a reaction from basically any viral infection, um, but it's rare uh, for it to show up yeah. in sixty percent of. So it was myocarditis showed up in sixty of the hundred. Um, some cardio uh, involvement is what they said uh, showed up in seventy eight of the hundred. Okay. Um, so, but sixty percent. I was trying to get a gauge for whether that's a lot for a viral infection, and it sounds like yeah, that's a ton. Um, and so like the what, regular flu, you could get that. You but can get it. You can get it from basically percent. any virus you get. You can get some inflammation around your heart. And it's not necessarily true that it's going to be serious. It's just, oh, wow, that's a that's an interesting thing because it's happening very commonly with these test subjects. And the, the, the conclusion was this is a concern and it demands further study. Like they need to do a much larger study for this. That was the conclusion of the paper. Um, and that makes sense, and it makes sense why a league would then behave cautiously. Because if it is something where it is extremely common with um, – and it was not just like hospitalized people. This was symptomatic, asymptomatic, mild symptoms um, were still uh, coming out with, with this myocarditis. Um, so it makes sense that um, these schools are behaving cautiously. Uh, that, but that was why I held open the possibility that the SEC, Big 12, and ACC might continue forward because more information might come out. More studies about this particular issue might come out. It's just it's a very new virus, and you don't necessarily know a lot of the ramifications. So opening yourself up to potential, um, you know, real danger, um, you know, because you could – a lot of the recent talk about this virus is that it's much more vascular than it is respiratory. Like it does more to, um, 
you know, your vascular systems than necessarily your lungs. So there's still so much unknown. It seems like so much is shifting constantly. Um, so I completely understand their caution from a medical perspective here. I do think, again, though, that that is being stated. And it's un- I completely understand it's a driving reason. I think it's being stated as the reason. I think there are a lot of other public health reasons as well that they're doing this. Um, but I think they know what's going to be compelling for people who actually have to you know, justify the decision to their campuses. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So that kind of leads to, and I think we know where you feel on this, the whole spring um, yeah. season. And some of the people I talked to and that were like spring advocates early um, were pretty much shot down, right? They, they were like, no, no one wanted to hear it. And I, I think what they were saying I think that they so a lot of stuff they said made sense, but I feel like some of the anti-springers, I guess you could say the no, no, it's it's part of the. Uh, can I rant about this for a second? Oh yeah, go go ahead. It is rant, once yeah. again part of the ongoing dumbest culture war because various media personalities like your your man Clay Travis. Oh my God, he's not my man. Please. He's he's your he's your boy. Um, but various media. He figures, interviewed Donald Trump. By I know. The way. Isn't that incredible? Um, you got to stick to sports, except when it's Donald Trump. Um, but so all of these guys started spouting early on, well, spring can't happen. Spring can't happen. This is stupid. Everyone who's even considering the idea is stupid. And it's become this talking point now. And so all the little lemmings are running with that talking point. And it's, it does not require like a degree in physics to figure out how a spring season could happen. It's not. This is not that hard. You can make a spring season happen, but it's now one more dividing line on the ongoing culture war. It's just, oh, well, my guy said this, and so now it can't happen. I don't know how many tweets I got yesterday where it was basically, you're a dipshit if you think spring can happen for these exact same talking point reasons that 15 other people have sent me. It's just, it's nonsense. Yes, you can have a spring. All it requires is, okay, so say you start even as late as March, say you start in March and you go through the end of May. Well, guess what? You have to offset the next season. It starts in December now. Sorry. And then the next season starts on time. You're not going to have an off season practice period. Like there's not going to be spring ball. So that takes out what a month and a half of competition for most of these teams. Doesn't that help with aiding recovery that you don't have to prepare for 15 practices in the spring. So you get five or six months between seasons that's going to be fine. I mean, look, yeah, I'm all for these guys' health being protected. They're going to go – in the Pac-12, they're going to go – if it starts in March, that will be what? Four, uh, 15, 16 months since they last played? Yeah. That's a lot, a lot of recovery time. time. That's a lot of recovery yeah. time. Did uh, you uh, read the Bill Connolly piece? Um, he got a lot of crap for that too. It was really well done. He called it, and it was a University of California professor, Berkeley professor, that called a wicked problem. And it's essentially a problem that doesn't have uh, a great solution. Everything sucks, but you have to try to do what's best. You pick something that's the least worst or whatever, and you won't know until you've done it. So that's kind of like, it was a great analogy that this is really a wicked problem, that you have to put everything on the table. I mean, I was getting into a Twitter thing said spring ball is not happening and i'm like okay yeah that makes sense you know this is a novel virus we've never been through anything like this before making definitive statements like five months out really makes a whole bunch of sense you know like sure 
Um, and you know, they're they're like, well, how do you have a normal fall season if you do stuff in the spring? Like, you can't expect anything to be normal. It's this nothing's normal right now. So it's 2020. Even if you cancel 2020, would the 2021 season even be normal? We don't know. Uh, but if you had uh, division only in the spring, it was five games and uh, you know a championship game and a bowl game. Like you get some games in early and in the spring, and it's over by March, and then you have four or five months off, and you and you have a you know what we were going to plan for this year in the fall. You have just uh, conference only games, and you have a, a bigger you know it gets a little bit better in 2021, and then 2022 goes back to normal, like or somewhat normal. I mean, I I think you have to have every potential solution to this complex problem, unique problem on the table. And just to make declarations like that could never happen. It's like, well, dude, you know, did they ever cancel March Madness before? Did they ever like stop the NBA seat? Like this is stuff we've never seen before. You have to keep an open mind to things that could happen. You know, there's possible solutions out there and playing some games in the spring would be a huge, if it's safe for the players, it would be a huge boost to all these athletic departments that are going to be struggling because well, it would give them some, you know, it would give them, and it, and you might even have fans in the stands by then. Who knows, you know, but there's... Yeah, you can't, you cannot guess at the state of the virus in six months. Like, it, no. we could have a working, like, I'll even be optimistic, we could have a working and distributed vaccine by that point. Hell, it might even be good. Like, it might even be really effective. Um, that could happen by March. Um, you might have real testing that you can do very quickly every day to make sure whether or not you're good to go, which would help a ton. You have so many different things you can have happen. There could be another lockdown that we actually do effectively in November, right? That just, okay, knocks it down where we're like at France levels where, okay, we might have a couple thousand cases a day, not 55. And then you can do whatever you want because everything's fine. Um, these things can all happen in the next six months that would actually solve the viral issue and would allow you to play whatever you want. Um, and it might happen earlier. It might be by January that this happens. Are you really going to tell me we can't have a winter season that starts in the middle of January? No, the Pac-12 could do that. And then they could get the, right the, back the on schedule is, without a spring practice. It'd be fine. And the Pac-12 can do it where it might be tougher in the Big Ten to do It'll it with be all tough, the cold but weather. They, they've also got a lot of domed NFL stadiums in that area. I mean, if yeah. they want to make it work, it can work. Um, yeah. And it might require some flexibility, but I thought the Pac-12, as I said when they released that schedule, it might not work for fall, but having a, a schedule with built-in flexibility, a 10-game conference schedule with bye weeks interestingly set and all that kind of stuff, that's really good. That's something you can translate to spring. Um, the Big Ten should have something like that, where they have some flexibility built in. Oh, wow. Uh, Northwestern, it's a minus 30 windchill day. Okay, I guess we're not having the game today. We're going to have to have try, try for it next week. Um, yeah, because it's not like it stays sub 30 the entire winter, even in Chicago, um, there'll be warmer days. Um, <laughs> so there's lots of different stuff you can do. Um, if you really wanted to make this work, um, I think there'll be enough people that try to want to make it work. If the virus gets under control, if it doesn't, then I don't think it's happening, but I'm optimistic. I think there's a chance we get this thing figured out, um, sometime in the spring and then we can get back to thinking about you know these recreational activities um but it's i guess it's just it's so bad faith like the things that are being said like oh you can't expect players to play games in a single calendar year in two seasons well i mean what do you think a 12 month a 12 month period is a 12 month period 
every year they play two game they play games between August the end of August and for Bama it's the you know beginning of January and there's then what a six and a half month layoff just yeah you can have the six and a half month layoff you can do that you can just do that between the seasons can you do the full eight months that most teams get no but if it's good enough for Bama and Clemson and even the bowl teams that play at the end of January at the end of December I mean UCLA hasn't been involved in several years so I understand if some UCLA fans don't get it but you know UCLA will have to deal with having a little bit less rest than usual right because they'll they won't get their full December off in this structure um but everyone else you're gonna get your six and a half months seven months off and then you're play again and it's just you're gonna do it without a spring ball and you're gonna yeah. do it without a bowl season and I think one thing to keep in mind too is that only competitions are on hold until January 1st things could be better in a couple of months and yes. you could have Fall camp in December yeah exactly like you could be like ready to go in January like if you do fall camp in December, you're getting you're you know they're actually practicing. You can actually touch footballs and stuff. If that can happen, then yeah, like it doesn't mean like people are just like, I mean, it's just so weird that people on Twitter and stuff they're just like, no, this is uh, it's 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 it, that's why you got to just you got to understand it's the ongoing perpetual internet argument combined with the ongoing dumbest culture war in history. Those two forces combined make it so that. In response to anything, like none of these, none of these people who are now emailing about this or tweeting about this, had any thoughts in their brain about whether a spring ball was workable as recently as four days ago. Now they suddenly do. It's just, it's just dumb, just dumb, constant dumb. There's a lot of dumb. There's too much dumb, way too much. So so much dumb. But I think we're some optimism there. Um, Some other newsy stuff. Unless there's anything else you want to. I, I think we did a good job on that. I think know? we did a fantastic job on it. Yeah. Um, real quick, uh, Mike Yam. Uh, so he was sucks. let go. That by sucks the so bad. Yeah, it's like, we don't get to watch it a lot, but I like watching Mike. And, uh, the one thing have I'll we say, heard about this shit? No, we, we haven't. We haven't. But I would say, like, the one thing about the Pac-12 is that I think they actually, on balance, hired pretty well. Like, for screen talent. Like, Yam, he was really good. I thought as a studio guy, Yogi Roth, I think has grown quite a bit and is really good now. Uh, Rick Neuheisel as the first big kind of splash color guy, I thought was really good. Um, They did a nice job. They should fire Larry Scott or diminish his salary and whatever it takes to keep Yam. I mean, who's effectively, I don't know. When I picture the Pac-12 network, it's either him or Yogi. He's the Um, face of it. Yam is the face of it. So I, I think this is a crazy decision. I understand that they're not going to have live sports to the end of the year, but I don't know, furlough the guy or whatever, keep paying him, and then dude, have him back from January. Why did they have them live during the – this just made me mad. Like, I you know, I can flip over to the Big Ten Network, and I'm watching – and there was supposed to be, like, some classic Penn State game, and I'm watching studio hosts, analysts, like, breaking down this. And we didn't get that on the Pac-12. And that just – it just bothers me. Like that's you just gotta be on top of it, you know. Like you're paid five million dollars a year to run this network. It's like you need to know what the heck's going on, what people care about. Like if you could have had breaking news going on, and pe- people would watch. You know, this is something they would actually care about. And they're showing some. There was a showing like some Jake Luton game or something. Like it's just it, it doesn't make any sense to me. No, it doesn't. It's sad. Um, hope he. I think he will. He'll land on his feet somewhere. But um, yeah, 
he was he was good. So uh, I don't think they'll be able to replace him super easily. So that was unfortunate to see. So yeah. good luck to him. Yeah, we wish him. Uh, we wish him well. I tweeted out, you know, some kind words. Hopefully, that he thinks that they're kind words, at least from the Pac-12 podcast uh, Twitter account. Um, because we should get Mike on at some point and just talk to him about it anyway. So, uh, and he was really good. Like he was a good voice for the Pac-12. You know, trying to make when you know, if it's teams that aren't going to make the playoffs, he just he did it. I thought he did it in a way that wasn't like super homery, but was. You know, I think he was more realistic about you, it. But are he, you he trying to kept... are you trying to imply something about our man Yogi? Uh, okay, but I love Yogi, but yeah, he's he's do, pretty. Do you think homely. maybe he gasses the league a little bit hard? Little maybe, large? maybe a little. Yeah, but Very I love poet. him. That, but that's his. That's okay. So he's not just doing that for the Pac-12. Like that's him. That's what he does. So he's just that that he's just that positive all the time. So he's not going to be able to talk about something and be like, well, you, you know, I understand that as like a deeply positive person myself. <laughs> Uh, you know, I understand that impulse to just say the best possible things about anything and anyone at any given moment. Right. That's that is you in a nutshell. Yep. Uh, there was also some breaking news, and one of the, the one of the, uh, the some of the people I talked to at USC were really not happy with the NCAA. Um, they were supposed to make some recommendation on far as far as like eligibility goes, and they kicked the can down the, the you know the lane. They were supposed to do it in a meeting, I think, on the twenty first, but. That was the original plan, but I think they got enough flack that they came out with something uh, today. So their recommendation for the vote, I think the vote is going to be the 21st, whatever. But whatever, this will be passed. Um, It'll be, so basically they're going to extend the recruiting dead period uh, to September 30th, I believe the date is. Uh, So that's just been extended month after month after month. But the big one is that they're going to grant an extra year of eligibility for fall sports participants. So say if there's no season, everyone gets an extra year. Say if, um, you know, you play less than half of the games, so maybe they start the season and you don't get to finish, uh, you would still get that extra year. So anything more than 50%, then you don't. Then it counts as your year. So I think that makes sense. Um, For football, there's a lot of complexities. Early enrollees, can they play when they come in January? If you if you start a season in February, like are they allowed to play or they have to sit out that year? Uh, also, the scholarship limits, like are they going to extend that 85 limit? And uh, talking to someone at USC, Dave, they said, didn't think that would happen. Uh, the scholarships can be a real issue because of specifically Title IX, where you know you give football an extra 20 scholarships, like that's really going to screw up your Title IX uh, number. So unless there was like temporary one year thing or whatever it is, if they do something to allow you to extend those rosters, that would make sense. Otherwise, giving everyone an extra year of eligibility, it just seems like you're probably going to cut out a lot of freshmen or assume there's going to be a lot more attrition than you normally have. I don't know. I mean, I think you need to do that, but it's definitely a complex problem too. Well, I don't see why it could necessarily be a Title IX issue unless you didn't extend it for the other sports. Yeah, that's right? a good point. Because if you um, extend it for all the women's sports as well, I would think it would balance out, or at least you could calculate it such that it would balance out. And not every football team should get 25 scholarships for next year additional. Um, it's going to depend on what they had already on their roster. Like, kind of factor it proportionally based on, okay, who would have graduated? That's how many extra you get this year or whatever it was. Um, I would think that would be manageable, right? 
You would think so because, but not every school has every sport. So you would have to. There would be some wiggle room there, like football yeah, could but have the, the say, balance. The, the timeline balance is only about within the institution, I think. Yeah, you. But you'd have to be able to say, okay, football, you can get an extra fifteen scholarships. Uh, women's water polo, you could get an extra five or whatever it is, and then every school would have to manage it. And if you don't have enough women's scholarships to to balance against football, then you can't have as many football scholarships. Things like that. Yeah, um, but but I what I guess what I'm saying is I think there's some way to get something above the 85 limit. I think there should be at some point. Yeah, um, that should be easily figured out. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, anything else we need to talk about? Because we have a lot of questions, I believe. We do have a lot of questions. How about um, how about we take a break for uh, what do you usually say right here? A minute. Take a break for a minute, and then we'll be right back with questions. You're, you're wow, you're good at this. All right, here's your Let's... musical cue. That's beautiful. We're back. That was a that was a good. Uh, you meshed that well. Like when I you thought, were, like, I did singing. a good job. You really, really did. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you want? So we have. I actually have an email that we put in the document. I can read that if you want, and then we can go to the questions. We got to go to the Reddit oh, questions God. too. But, yeah. Okay. Um. So this one, this was an email that came to my podcast, but that was for us. So I just moved it over here. Uh, it's from Mike in Texas, Full Shear, Texas. I don't know where that is. Compensation, POC crew. David has finally broken me. Despite his incomprehension of the meaning of compensation, I held firm when he opined on the value of a college education, considering the debt his children might incur getting one. I mean, I would think if he knew his children were incur debt to get a college education, it must have value. But no, it appears he doesn't. Uh, but his repeat in his repeated statements that college football players aren't compensated, that has broken me. Considering the median household income in the U.S. is roughly 56k a year, even if a college football player is attending a quote inexpensive state university on scholarship, how is that not compensation? Yes, it may not might not be cold hard cash, but as a future father of hopefully two college students, let a present day father of two tuition payments, I mean two college students. Help you out, David, by explaining that a college scholarship has great value and is compensation. If <laughs> it has so if great wish... cost, great cost. There, There's well, a big it, difference between value and cost. Okay. But anyway, continue. If you wish, you can certainly argue college football players are undercompensated compared to Champagne Larry. But to us ordinary folks, college tuition is a lot of money and counts as compensation. Costs a lot of money. College tuition costs a lot of money. Right. When Given you buy, st- when you buy something, does it count as compensation? If you're given it, yeah. Like if I'm at a if I'm at a job and like I'm okay, given so it. if you are given, let's think. Okay, like so if, 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 if I'm I, given a car. Okay, so you work at a job, right? I don't, but I, well, let's yeah. say let's say you work at a job and you're given a uniform. Uh-huh. That uniform has value, right? It's clothing. Right. Is that compensation? Uh, I don't think a uniform would be, but if you were okay, given okay. like uh, so a if you're car given, stipend. Okay, how about this? 
if you're at a job and they give you food, that has value, right? True. Is that compensation? No, like if you're Google, they give you free. They're they're buy, basically buying you. So okay, you won't well leave then, that. what the hell? Let's talk about something with some real value. Okay, so you work at Google. They give you housing. They don't have to give you any money, right? Because San Jose, that's it's really expensive to live there. That's value. Right. You don't have to get no, paid, right? It's not going to be the only compensation, but there will be. Oh, part of your interesting, interesting. So, so it's not going to be the only compensation. This thing that is a non-transferable asset. Right. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay, we'll continue with the email. Okay. Given my sincere doubts that David will ever admit he's wrong, which obviously has happened, I propose an experiment. David should fund 529 plans that will cover his children's entire... I think he's, entire... he's saying 529 plans. Oh, I'm so, sorry. Yeah, yeah. 520. Oh, God. Oh, so that's a 529 plan. Do you, yeah. do you have those already? No. God, no. David should fund... So he's not planning ahead. The 529 plans, those are those like five, 401ks, but they're for college, right? Is that what those are? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so fund those plans that will cover his children's entire college expenses. If once his children graduate from college, he still thinks that a college scholarship is not compensation, I will admit he has <laughs> broken me once again. If he agrees with me, I will die happily knowing that contrary to what he appears to believe, there is an alter- alternative to his children. Graduating from college in debt, he could pay for it. Mike okay. in full sheer time. So, Mike, I will grant you this and this alone is that a college education has value. Um, does it function as a form of compensation? Maybe. Um, but I think the reality is they're doing a lot more for the university that requires more compensation and what you and I would traditionally think of as compensation, which is pay. Um Paying somebody in a good or service is not the same thing as paying somebody in that most transferable of assets, money. Um, They can't take their scholarship money and go spend it. And the reality is, um, for a lot of these kids, for especially the better ones, the ones who are going on to the NFL at some point, the education is simply a means to an end. And those are the ones who are actually bringing in the most value to the university. That education has not as much value to them. Um, I think you would agree with that. I think everyone out there who's got their thinking caps on would agree with that. Shouldn't they be entitled to something more given the value they're bringing in, given the lack of value, because this is an asset that will have different levels of value for different people. It has a different, it has the same cost for everybody, but it's got a differing level of value depending on the person. How are they going to use that education? I can guarantee you that Ryan's engineering degree is more valuable to him than my history degree, despite the fact that I went to a much better institution. Um, <laughs> Wait, did like you go that? somewhere else I didn't know about? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. funny guy. Um, <laughs> but I, but you understand that, right? Like, it's not. I, I don't think that this is a valueless experience. I wouldn't have gone to college if I thought it was a valueless experience. Um, but I also didn't bring it. Like, I got. I mean, I got two years at UCLA, more or less, paid for. Um, and I was not entitled to anything more and probably was entitled to quite a bit less than I got. Uh, but I didn't bring in anywhere near as much value to the university as these guys do. And they deserve pay um, legitimately. So when I referred to them, and I'm sure this is a response to me referring to them as unpaid labor, that is true. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't want to make like outlandish things, but you can think of other institutions throughout history that have compensated their labor with things like food and clothing. Um, without giving them pay. 
and those institutions largely don't exist anymore. Um, this is not pay. Giving people access to an education where they're largely limited to like three majors at most universities. It's not like it's not like uh, the football player who's coming in and is like, man, I really want that education from USC. I'm going to go be an engineering major. Ryan, how many engineering majors have you met on the football team at USC? Uh, none. Yeah, that'll be zero. Um, it's just it's not the same value for them. They're not getting access to the same things that a Joe student is. Um, so end of the day, yeah, there's some value to it. Is it enough to compensate them for all of the things that they are doing for the university? Shit. No. No. Uh, like when I worked at Hughes aircraft company, they paid for my master's degree, which was nice. Yeah, it was, well, uh, and lots that of wasn't things, my only compensation. They're perks like a yeah. perk of their, uh, one of the things that they should be pitching these guys on is the free education, but that shouldn't be the only thing, you know? Yeah. It's a perk. It's like when Google offers you a ping pong table in the office. That's a perk. It's not compensation, even though a ping pong table costs money. I think in that NCAA release, too, there was uh, something about, I think there was a push for, like, computers or something. Like, there was things that they weren't allowing, and now they will, like, if as long as it's for, like, academic purposes. So I think you could actually get student-athletes now, like, some more hardware stuff that they could use for school. So that might be... A little extra perk. So too, when your I, work when your work gives you a work laptop and a work cell phone, they don't have to pay you any money, right? <laughs> I'm just saying it's like they're getting a little better for them. So well, yeah, Sorry. but like this is the problem. Like all these little toys and gadgets and things, um, they don't pay the rent. Like they don't set you up with a savings account. Like these things do not set you up for future success. They're perks. This this education is a perk for most yeah. of these guys. It's a perk. Um, especially when you're getting out of it with a sociology degree. Um, if they could actually, I like the idea of the continuing scholarship that was part of the player demands where maybe it continues on through a master's degree where they can actually work on something they're interested in rather than just a sociology degree. Um, but that would be actually increasing the value. Um, that would actually be increasing it. The level of compensation, if you want to call it, I don't think it would sufficiently increase it because again, they're bringing in a lot more value than they're being paid out. Um, but at least you'd be on the right path at that point. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, do you want to, I think Hithliday's first. Do you want to, or do you want me to go first again? Well, no, I already did one. You go. Okay. Let me, uh, let me pull it up. Cause I'm, 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 I'm too busy. I'm too busy just dropping pearls here that I, I just, this one know. looks Italian. Oh boy. Okay. Do you want to look it up while I read it? Uh, I'll, I'll look it up real quick. Il lupo cattivo. It's the bad wolf in Italian, if it's Italian. So nice. I think it's Italian. Okay. That was my guess, and it was Italian. Okay. Last week, Andy defended Washington's offensive line coach, Scott Huff. I'll remind him that UW used to have a competent developer at the same position, Chris Strausser, who, like Huff, came up at Boise State under Chris Peterson. He left for a successful NFL career after the 2016 season. Since then, UW's offensive statistics have been all over the map, but they show the biggest and most consistent deterioration at the categories most associated with offensive line play. Last season, they were number 43 in sacks per snap, number 45 in tackles for loss per snap, number 78 in yards per rush, and number 102 uh, in third down conversions. They climbed every year under Strausser in those categories till they were a top 25 team in each in 2016, then fell every year through Huff's tenure. Andy passed along a fan theory that Peterson was forcing Huff to use an ineffective blocking scheme. He's referring to Rick Trickett's system of short selling and kick slides or short setting, sorry, 
and kick slides from the tackles, which has them turning, which has them fully turning their bodies to deal with the edge rush. I don't love that system, and ask any Florida State fan how they feel about Trickett and you'll get an earful, because competent speed rushers will beat it around the corner and tackles lose vision on deep defensive line twists. Uh, but Strasser made it work by coaching good cross-blocking and proper knee and ankle flexing. Huff's tackles, however, are stiff and slow-footed, bend at the waist instead of the legs, and communicate poorly on stunts. Even if it were an intermediate, or an irredeemable, sorry, irremediable, wow, yeah. wow. Irremediable. That's not a word. Problem. I'm sorry, man. No. Irremediable? Irremediable. That's tough. That's a tough one to say. It is a different one. Tough to remedy. Tough to remedy. Tough to remedy my pronunciation of that. Um, (laughs) uh, Schematic problem. Does that theory make any sense to you boys? Have you ever heard of such a thing? The head coach shackling the offensive line coach with a particular system that he didn't want to use. Was T. Martin's gumbo offense responsible for USC's offensive line performance or Neil Calloway? Chip Kelly's playbook is way more complex than Bush Hamden's ever was. So should we let Justin Fry off the hook? Wow. Um, that is a real word though, by the way. So I know, but that was tough to say. And so anything that's that hard to say, um, is not a real word, especially in the, the third paragraph. He hit me with that and I was like, irredeemable. Maybe no, no, that's not what he's saying. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot. Um, I mean, we're talking about defensive line twists and, uh, cross blocking ankle flexing, like, you know, where, where's yeah, the? Yeah, I, uh, I didn't think a question was coming to us at the end of this. I thought it was going to be back to Andy. <laughs> so now I got to think about everything I've just read and heard and thought about. Um, I mean, I think the schematics are involved, but you have to also have to look at like if you picked, look at any team that's like had highs and lows, and you know, 2016 was certainly a high for Washington. You could probably look at almost any position coach there, and and then compare stats to two years later. What are they going to be like? What is the you know the average you know yards per rush or whatever it is like passes defended? Like I bet you most everything's better. Like it's just it was a really good year. Like it helps to have a good team around you, and you could argue some of that is the you know the product of what that offensive line coach did or didn't do. But sometimes it's just you got better people around you, and you don't you know you can get carried a little bit. So it's I think it's hard to compare knowing that that was like a high water mark for the Washington football team. Like, yeah, okay. Maybe he had, you know, Strasser had a, a lot to do with it. I, I don't know, but well, and the thing I would say, so just as like my expertise is not on like whether a guy's good at ankle flexing. I'm, I'm just going to tell you that right now. No. Um, but I will say being stiff and slow footed and being a waist bender instead of a leg bender, um, those you can get better at, but those are kind of natural things. Um, some guys are just stiff. Um, so maybe a personnel issue more than him being an awful developer, because I don't know, you, you can get a little bit faster footed. You can get a little bit more flexible. Um, you can try your damnedest not to be a waste bender, but some of those things are just the way guys are. And you can tell it in high school um, from my, you know, watching offensive line people in high school. Um, so I don't know. I don't know enough about Washington's offensive line situation to know about that, but that it could just be a personnel issue. If those are the actual issues. Andy, let us know what you think. Respond. We just keep going back and forth. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on. Thanks. Hit the day. Uh, this is from Frank. 
who's in Sacramento. I love Dave's rant. Or he loved Dave's rant. Uh, he said, I love he, Dave's he rant. He probably uh, still loves it. Yeah. Uh, on why the U.S. can't get it together like South Korea on the coronavirus. I was like reading this long email from, was it Chris and Seoul? Is that, was it, I think it's Chris and Seoul. And like Dave's like jumping in like throughout the whole thing. Remember, like it was, it started a big rant. It was yeah, funny. I, was, so I was getting pissed. I was getting pissed. Go back and listen. Pissed. Yeah, yeah, go back and listen if you didn't hear it. Uh, the U.S. is diverse like no other country in the history of the world, geographically, regionally, historically, uh, and ethnic. Uh, ethnic Dude, oh, neither of us God. can read. Neither of us what? can. <laughs> can somebody, can somebody, for the love of God, send a voicemail next week? This is. <laughs> After talking, like, oh, my God, like, with this stuff, I did, like, two shows yesterday. It's like you just start talking, talking to you, and then you just – I start seeing stars. Like, you just don't even, like, know where you are. Yeah. Uh, I haven't read but, this much out loud doing this show. I haven't read this much out loud, I think, since, like, grade school. Yeah. So, ethnically, uh, it's a diverse country is what you say. South Korea is small physically, somewhat bland historically other than outside dominance, and full of Koreans. South Korea is one of the most uh, ethnically homogeneous countries in the world with an absolute majority of Korean ethnicity who account for approximately 96% of the total population. This, Koreans think more alike, uh, trust each other to a greater extent and basically trust their government. Diversity is great when it comes to food, art, entertainment, economics, regional travel, and the like, but involves mistrust, uh, clannishness, racism, resentment, and regionalism. Uh, this is why Winston Churchill said, uh, while waiting on the U.S. to get into World War II, America always does the right thing, but only as a last resort and only after they have tried everything else. Frank uh, in Sacramento. Oh, in, in, in exasperation, Winston Churchill said that. Right. So, no, sorry. I think you can get that from the words. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So he liked your rant. I'll buy most of that. Yeah. Um, There's a lot. I mean, when people do compare, like, what, you know, they, I, I think we talked about this before. Like, there, someone was, like, comparing, like, Singapore to Wisconsin. You know, it's like, okay, this, like, small city country versus this huge, you know, less dense populated. I mean, there's so many differences. And, like, there is a great, it, it is great because of our diversity and all the different things that we have. But, Having 50 different states with all different governments, like that doesn't help in a situation like this. Well, you know, the thing is, I I don't think it's a um, I think it's one of many components that doesn't make it easy. Um, But I don't think it's I I really don't think it's even close to a universal. This is why I was kind of wishy washy on it. I don't think it's a really uh, good explanation by itself for what's going on. Um, I think we've got a lot of different things going on. One of them is the diversity, but also, I mean, just look around you. Look at what we've talked about on the show already. It's just everyone is primed to disagree on this stupid culture war grounds all the time. All the time. Um, Nobody can agree on anything. And, like, simple stuff that should be easy. Like, hey, could you just wear some shit over your face so that, like, maybe, who knows, maybe it cuts down transmission a little bit. Even if it doesn't, it'll make people feel better. And, it, and people are like, no, no, I'm not going to do that because freedom, because hashtag freedom. And it's just like, just just put something over your goddamn mouth. Is that that hard? And yeah, it is. It is too hard in this country. And that has nothing to do with diversity. 
and everything to do with just uh, a completely, you know, broken culture. So yeah, I mean, a lot of it, like you know, he said, they they trust their government, and they, but that's know, we not, don't right that's now. Not, we don't trust the government. We don't trust the media. We don't that's trust not anybody. Diversity. That's we don't trust the government for a lot of reasons. Yeah, like as a society, and whoever's in the White House. I mean, there's just a lot of just. I think institutional failures, um, because I mean, frankly, there isn't a lot of reason to trust the government in a lot of ways. Um, there's institutional failures at every level of our government from federal to state to County to city. Um, and I think all of that combined, um, like there's all these legitimate reasons to feel a certain way. And then there's all this other stuff that bad actors put in people's brains. Like, yeah, you shouldn't wear a mask because of freedom that then gets everyone all hyped up. Like it's, we've just got a, we've got a bad thing going on. It's so multifaceted that it's hard to pin down any one thing. Um, but this is just a symptom of it. Um, and I don't think pinning it on, you know, I, I, I take this in good faith from Frank that that's a part of it. Um, definitely. The fact that we do have a, um, more heterogeneous society certainly plays a role in making it harder to manage, um, you know, a broad national problem, uh, but it doesn't make it insurmountable. Other things are making this an insurmountable issue for us. All right. You want to go to the next one? I'd love to. This is from Thomas, our friend. Black armbands and dark ages. Hi, guys. Listening to your most recent episode, I had some thoughts about your respective opinions of the Players United Manifesto. However, knowing that many people might try to send you an intricate line-by-line analysis, I'm not doing that. Instead, there's actually another issue I wanted to bring up. Since I haven't quite finished listening to the episode, though, I apologize if this was already discussed. The subject, meanwhile, is about affirmative action. Or more specifically, that UCLA's football fortunes deteriorating over the last 20 years correlates to the same time frame of the University of California having to eliminate affirmative action in admissions decisions. My own personal belief is that while perhaps unintentional outside of their public health demands, the Players United Manifesto sounds like a way to revive a form of affirmative action within the athletic departments. Obviously, this is a politically charged statement and will evoke visceral responses from some people. My comment isn't meant to troll here, but cautiously address the climate I experienced as a student during this somewhat extraordinary time. As David, I'm sure, is well aware, there always has been a legend about football players on the 1998 UCLA team wanting to wear black armbands in protest of affirmative action being repealed. The story goes that the tensions came to a head before the game against Miami at the end of the season. This caused internal dissent that cost UCLA the game, an undefeated season, a chance to play in the first BCS championship in history, and unwittingly uh, plunged the Bruin Bruin football into a generation long dark age, according to said account. I dismissed the story as utter crap at the time as I was living in the dorms and had some football players as neighbors, but I am keenly aware that most non-revenue Olympic sports are largely comprised of white students. This is especially so with women's athletics. Hence the distinct possibility that black male players in the most dangerous sport being resentful about taking the most personal risk but having other students being the largest beneficiaries and thus football players demanding, quote, a better deal. Or in current parlance, the football team being treated as the essential workers of college athletics. You can well imagine how curious I am to see how this turns out, but I'll end by saying that if David is right and the season is canceled, my feeling is Players United will lose enough leverage that none of this might happen. Is there something I'm missing here, though? Again, trying to tread softly here, but no, this is inevitably a controversial topic. Keep up the dulcet, dulcet tones, Thomas. Dulcet, dulcet tones. I'm not sure how the two thoughts connect. I'll be honest. Yeah. So, uh, affirmative action. So, the story he's relating is true. Um, 
those events did happen. Uh, how much of an impact it had on them losing to Miami is anybody's guess. Um, but there's been many stories about it over the past. Um, my friend Sam Allen at the Daily Bruin wrote a nice, long, I think, two or three-parter about um, the 98 team and the black armbands and the whole thing. Um, and interestingly, uh, Ramogi Huma, Huma, Huga, Huma, I think, um, who has played a role in the Players United thing was a player on that team. Um, and had a role in the black armbands um, and affirmative action protests and all that kind of stuff. So, full circle. Um, so, but that's a separate thing. I don't really know where we're going with the affirmative action stuff there. Um, I don't necessarily think that's an obvious takeaway from their manifesto. I, I, it wasn't one of my obvious takeaways. Um, I think the University of California is looking into doing affirmative action again. I think that was the last thing that we heard about. Wasn't there something about them voting yeah. on that recently? There was something. Yeah, there, because, yeah. But that was in was response pro- to the stuff in May and June, um, looking to get more equitable uh, with a lot of different things. Um, I think it would be good, but everybody knows my thoughts on all this stuff. I don't need to belabor that crap again. Um, but so this bit about the essential workers and the better deal um, – I don't know if their leverage is going away. Um, if they want to exercise their power, they can do it at any moment by refusing to play. Um, yeah. And that'll be true now. It's going to be true in spring, and it'll be true next fall. Because guess what? All of these athletic departments are going to be in dire financial straits and will absolutely need to have a season. And it's going to come down to a simple question. Are we willing to bend on stuff, or are we willing to not have sports anymore? And that's ultimately what the question will be. And at the end of the day, the schools are going to break. If yeah. the players want to exercise their power. If they don't, they don't. But if they want to, they'll have the ability to. Yeah. I, you know, it'll be interesting to see, especially with the split between the conferences, at least for now. Um, but I feel like there's some realistic goals that the, you know, the, that the players had and that they're achievable. You know, And so I think things are going to get better. Um, going forward, but right now it's really just about, hey man, I mean, it's like hard to threat like, hey, we're not going to play this season if you guys don't do this, and people are like, oh, we're probably not going to play this season anyway, you know. So it's there's a little bit of a weird disconnect there, but I think during the off season it will there will be some opportunities for uh, progress to be made. I think the NCAA has to make some progress. They're going to have to address the NIL stuff, and I, I think all of that will will get better, but. It, Really, the season part and which conference is doing what has to kind of shake itself out first, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, we got what's next? Uh, the greatest coach rant there will ever be from Bruin Mike. So, Data Ryan, will there ever be as good of a coach press conference rant as Mike Gundy going off on that reporter where he says, I'm a man, come after me? And the, the famous line is, I'm a man. I'm 40. Um, so how did that's you great. miss that, Bruin Mike? How did you miss the like the most famous part of that thing? Yeah, the I'm 40 is like, and he's it's like the, 50 it's now. The, I'm a man. I'm 40. Yeah, yeah. But he um, does say come after me at some point. I think they play this on. Uh, it was come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. Yeah, I think they play it on the uh, solid verbal, the beginning of that, right? Yeah. I believe so. The yeah, intro yeah. to that. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure that. Look, you get enough. Um, look, I'm going to, I'm going to speak bluntly about our, our coaches. You get enough dumb dudes coaching <laughs> football and talking in front of a mic. 
some dumb things are going to get said. And I think anticipating that Mike Gundy is the dumbest person talking loudly in front of a mic, I think, is a foolish assumption and speaks to a lot of optimism about the future of society that I don't think is, I don't think it's granted. I don't think that's, you know, really based on what we're seeing, things are going to get dumber. They're going to get louder and they're going to be in front of mics even more. So, no, that's not that's not the the best coach rant there's going to be. There's going to be yeah. something dumber. There's going to be something louder and it'll be televised. There's some beautiful. I mean, like the Jim Moore uh, playoffs. Playoffs. That was like, good too. Yeah, that was great. That was a really good one. There's the um uh was it Denny Green, the rest in peace uh yeah. what about the Bears are like, oh, we let him off the hook. You know, well, that was uh, Herm? You got Herm? Yeah. What was Herm's? It was um Herm had the um Oh shoot. He had a really good one too. He did have a really good one. Oh, was that so the Denny Green was like we are who they thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Like about talking about the Bears, whatever. Uh Herms. You play to win the game. You play to win the game. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my god. Yes. Yeah. He wrote a book about the play you play to win the game. You play to win the game. You play to win the game. So if Mike Bund- Mike Gundy write Mike Bundy, if Mike Gundy writes a book, I'm a man, I'm forty, then it might pass. You no, play but to win you write game. it, you write it and you're just like and every year you update it. Like I'm a man, I'm fifty two. Yeah, I'm a man. No, but I'm, I'm saying 53. like it would make his rant better if he wrote a book on it because like yeah, absolutely. Herm, Herm wrote a book, you know. It certainly make him richer. Yeah. Um, uh, but thank you, Bruin Mike. Yeah, there'll definitely be something dumber though. Yeah. Greater, whatever you want to call it. I, I basically equate the two terms. Dumb and great. Okay, that's an email you responded to. Uh, David's is, Woods. Yeah. Okay, this is from Tyler. David's Woods. Okay. Clearly never paid a down. I'm just reading this sick, okay? I'm reading this as written. <laughs> Clearly Thank never you. paid a down of college football with his ridiculous, absurd spring season possibilities. The damage on the body playing 20-plus games in, a, in one year would be insurmountable. It is extremely difficult to get through a regular season, but two seasons in one year is just not a legitimate possibility. Start again in 2021 and stop floating ridiculous hypotheticals. You know what's interesting here? What I'll say after having read this email? He yep. spells ridiculous two different ways. And he spelled insurmountable correctly. What's going on here, Tyler? And paid it down instead of played it down. You know, yeah. maybe it was, it sounded like it might have been reading off of a, maybe your Siri maybe. or something. But. Yeah, but Siri wouldn't have misspelled ridiculous, would she have? True. Good point. Yeah. Siri's pretty good spelled. No, there was something going on here. Um, well, Tyler. I'm hoping he was drunk. That, yeah, that would be whew, yeah. Boy, but that would have. Yeah, props to 11, you. 11.30 on a Tuesday night? I think it's possible. Or 8.30 on you, Tuesday Tyler, night. Tyler, if you were drinking. Um, no, I have never played a down of college football. This is correct. Um, the damage on the body from playing 20-plus games in one year. Um Sounds sounds tough. I wouldn't want to do it. Um, but, again, critically, critically, they already play, what, if Bama goes to the title game, what do they play in a four-month period? They play, like, 15, 15, 15 games, games yeah. now. So you're adding five six months later, basically. Plus you're adding, like, you know, also all the bowl practices. Also you're subtracting five. Like, you're, I mean, it's not, this is... Basically, you're playing a 10-game stretch, which isn't a full season, taking six games off, six months off, 
and then you play another 10-game stretch. Yeah. It, I, I get it. Like, I get it, but I don't get it. Like, I, I, I six months off from playing a, a hard-contact sport, that's a lot of time. Does it allow you time to – I mean, even now with recovery periods, I think that even allows you time to recover from ACL. Like, I think ACLs are coming back after six months now, right? Yeah. Or more or uh, less. It's close, but it's like the in the six, eight months. real. I mean, that's, it sucks. No, like you're going to get – like, there's going to be some guys who are still banged up from the previous year, but that's true every year. Yeah. Like, ACL that happens in December, they're not healed up by August a lot of times. They right. can be, but they're not always. So yeah. – Dave, one of the things that got floated to me was that the, I think we I started to talk about this and then some, you went on your rant, but it's like the anti-springers. It's more about the people that just wanted it to happen so badly in the fall that they would rather tell you why spring can't work. So you have to do it in the fall. Yeah, you no, know what I mean? But that's do you what feel it, like that that's real. But I think that is part of the, the, the dumb like culture war stuff. Because I think there was a side that decided, oh, it's happening in fall, or it's not going to happen at all. And now they're pushing this as if this is like a legitimate thing. And yeah. it's not. I mean, if you if you can have a season with eight months apart with a spring practice sandwiched in the middle of it, right? Where you have to do contact and do all this other stuff during from, I mean, for UCLA, it was going to be from the beginning of March to the end of April. That's two full months. And you just take that away. Shouldn't you be able to then condense the offseason period to six months? I mean, again, recovery of actual injuries, that's, yeah, that might be one of the sacrifices here where a guy who might otherwise have been able to play because he was recovering from his ACL might not be able to now, right? But other than that, to recover from, like, soreness and wear and tear, six months is a long time. Yeah. This, so, this is a wicked problem. You have to come up with. There's no ideal solutions, but to to eliminate a potential solution for just to me silly reasons. It just it might not work. But you can't just say, "Oh, that's never going to work," because blah 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 blah. Like you have to look at. Well, who this is settled so weird. on who settled on like eight months as the ideal time to recover from a football season? Who settled on yeah. this? And why is it eight months for some teams, seven months for other teams, and six and a half months for other teams? Because they play longer. Well, do they get extra recovery time or something? Like, does does Alabama not play spring? No, they do. Do they start fall camp in September? And they, I mean, they get extra weeks of practice too, because you're talking all the bowl practice. Right. But then, if you're going to the finals, there's, you know, that's a, a week and a half after the this semifinal. This is why it you feels know? like a combination of an emotional argument and then also a bad faith argument. Like, it's just yeah. people who want to win their side of the argument. They want to say, "Oh, it had to happen in fall," or actually. And this is another thing I've seen bandied about. This is going to be the end of the Pac-12, the end of the Big Ten. And I'm like, well, no, it's not. Are some schools going to struggle? Are they going to go into more debt? Yeah, absolutely. But the Pac-12 is already exploring loan options up to a billion dollars, it sounds like, where all these schools can draw on the funds. Um, there's going to be some financial hit for sure, but it's not going to be the end of these leagues. It's just, I don't know. People just really want to win their side of the argument. Yeah. Um, all right, we got As one last. As somebody who always wins his side of the argument, I, I yes. feel like I can say that. Right, that's very true. Uh, yeah. We have one last email. It's got Simpsons references in it, so I'm all about this. And then we'll do our Reddit ones and, and get you out of here. This is a bubble idea from Jorge or George. I don't know. I think it's Jorge. What do you say? Is that I'd George? Go, I'd go Jorge. Okay. Uh, hello, fantastic team. Uh, longtime listener and lover of the podcast. 
I love the podcast so much, I stopped listening to the POC out of anger for the inevitable cancellation of college football. The college presidents and athletic directors had the hope and prayer approach. They prayed and hoped that the pandemic would be over by August and did nothing. This reminds me of the Simpsons episode where Ned Flanders had a flashback of his bad childhood and his hippie parents were talking to a doctor about how to deal with Ned's bad behavior. And they answered with, uh, yeah, you've got to help us, Doc. We've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. And it was in like this hippie beatnik <laughs> voice, which I didn't do very well. Uh, my bubble idea. So here's and I did. That was a funny episode, too, where like they put uh, they put Ned in. Uh, it was like a University of Minnesota study because um, he was like just bad behavior kid. He was a little kid. And that was uh, I forgot some doctor, whatever. And the, the study was essentially you spank the child for nine months straight. So they would just show, they would show the doctor just spanking Ned and like the, the seasons are changing and just spanking away like birthday parties. They're just spanking away. And then the, uh, you know, the, what, whatever he he's cured, but then he's saying all that niddly diddly stuff. Um, so that changed. That's how Ned Flanders became the Ned Flanders that, you know, um, all right. My bubble idea, two bubbles, Las Vegas for the South and Portland for the North. Uh, six teams, each bubble, round robin. Each team plays the other five teams once for a total of five games with one bye week. After the five games, the top four teams in each bubble advance to the next round. Two more bubbles of four teams each, round robin again. I would hold it somewhere secluded and away from civilization like Pullman, Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City's not <laughs> Okay. After three games, uh, the top two teams in each bubble advance to the Pac-12 championship playoff. The semifinals and final can be held in Las Vegas in the new Raider Stadium. What do you think? Fight on from Jorge. It sounds like a lot of fun. I don't think it's going to happen because, um, again, if you're going to bubble these guys up, you need some sort of <laughs> you need some apparatus to pay them because um, otherwise you're you're basically treating them like servants and like different from the rest of your campus. It's a lot to ask of unpaid labor. You're taking them out of society, yeah. And like putting them, and there's like five bubbles here. Like you got the. You That's got a lot the, of bubbling. There's a, a lot, lot of bubble. Like the NBA, like put a whole lot of work in it. Their bubble's working, but it was like a whole lot of work to do one. If um, you want to pay them, if you want to pay them, Jorge, I'm all for this plan. Whatever, you bubble them up and do a bunch of different bubbles. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, just you, you can't do it when they're just regular students. Yeah. They are. No one I talked to that in college has said we could do a bubble. Like even if cost wasn't an issue, which it is, it just, you can't bubble the college students. The one good thing is that a lot of these workouts for the on-campus stuff are working because they're essentially like mini bubbles. You're working with your team. The other students aren't on campus. Like there's, you know, and, and they have these protocols where they're trying to, you know, keep everyone else safe. So it seems like I got to give props to a lot of the college students. They're just doing a good job of like, keeping out you know keeping social distance and you know they're they're on campus kind of by themselves so they kind of have these mini bubbles set up that i that seem to be working pretty well right now bubble 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 bubble, bubble. bubble it up before we get to uh, the reddit um we did have something we need to discuss this is from uh one of our friends on twitter um what are we gonna do like us on this very show that comes up a lot i've had people if if, if well no not Obviously, if nobody plays football, we're fine. The right. real question is if we're better when no one plays. Football. Yeah, no, we're fine. <laughs> It'll be great. Um, 
if the other three leagues do go forward in that 2% possibility where they actually do play football, do we adopt teams? What do we do? I think we have to pick games for sure. Yeah. Um, and we could adopt teams. We could. I think we'd have to involve the listeners. Oh, by the way, we never did that Zoom call. Um, Weren't we going to? We were like, going we were to. Planning. We just didn't plan it. Yeah, we did, but then we, you know, we didn't follow through. But, but um, you're talking past tense. We can still do it. We can still do it. We just haven't done it yet. Yeah, there um, you go. We do have to get involved, and maybe we like say that the SEC is our sister conference, and we like follow the SEC teams. Or I mean, Big Twelve might but be more fun. Let's, let's be honest, Ryan. Can we be honest yeah. with each other and with our yeah. listeners out there? Our sister conference is the ACC because uh, it's trash. Um, so like I'll be Boston college, I guess you'll be like wake forest. And well, we'll I can go wake forest. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. Um, I'll get really yeah, into BC athletics. All right. I've been there. Their stadium is pretty nice. Like they, uh, they've like the basketball. All right. Stadium. You do, you do BC, you know more about BC than I do. I'll do wake forest. Okay. My mom graduated from BC. She got her master's from BC. There so. you go. You're Boston college. You are Boston college born and bred. Um, you're, you came from like a family of academics, right? Like everyone in your family was, no, neither of my parents went to college. Oh, I thought they or did. graduated thought they... from college. I should say my dad went oh, for okay. a couple years. Um, so I was the first in my family, but my mom, like she was a nurse and she had like, I think that was like a two year nursing, whatever, like degree or something, but not degree, but it was like a nursing certificate or something. And when, when I went to college, she went back to college and like, so I, but I beat her for the undergraduate degree. By like a year, and then I beat her for my master's by like a year. So, ah, I got yeah. her. Yeah, but uh, yeah, BC. So I know a little about BC, so I All could right. do that. Very cool. Um, that'll be that'll be fun. Well, that'll give us some football, and then we'll do you know Civil War generals or whatever we got to do after that. Yeah, no more Civil War generals. We're not doing that anymore. We got to do new things, new crazy topics that just come out of nowhere, and then we just like adopt them and just like dive into them. Yeah. Yeah, more, more. You know what? Way too much football last couple weeks. Way too much. We're gonna need everyone out there, all you listeners, dial that back. Okay, dial that on back. Yeah, I like it. Um, but we don't have to now. We can. Uh, we can talk about other things. <laughs> it will be fun to watch, like what the other conferences are doing. Um, I feel like at this point. The Big 12 did try to uh, to address uh, some of the cardiac issues where I think the SEC and uh, Greg Sankey were sort of like it, it was it was more the general sense I got was that those conferences didn't quite understand the cardiac issues right now. So they're going to go forward where the Pac-12 is like, we don't understand the Big 10. We don't understand those cardiac issues right now. So we're going to pause. So yeah. it's sort of like just a different philosophy, but I don't feel like he's addressed it straight on yet and i think that's going to happen you know coming soon so it'll be interesting to see like what those conferences say so we'll we'll keep on top of that yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see when they cancel <laughs> this is what i hope you i was really hoping you weren't right on the other ones and i was i was optimistic but uh this one i kind of hope you're right on although yeah. it would be like having having like college football that doesn't include the Pac-12 in the fall would be very Pac-12. Um, it just would be bizarre to watch, you know. 
Yeah, it would be so bizarre to watch. Um, I don't like the feel of it. Like, it doesn't sound good to me. I, I can't describe to you how few games I watched last year and the last few years that didn't involve at least one Pac-12 team. Yeah. Like, I do not watch much of other leagues now. Um, so it's going to be a new and different thing if they actually do play, which they're not going to, but if they actually do. We'll we'll be on top of it. Yeah. All right. And maybe we could have, like, um, you know, listeners, like, pick teams for us. You know, like, Dave, you need to watch blah, blah, blah. Or I need to watch, like, Texas A&M. Yeah, actually, actually, everybody out there, if you watch one of these, uh, what's the most likely to continue forward? I actually kind of think it's the ACC because they seem I think the ACC, crazy. Yeah. Um, pick an ACC team for each of us to adopt. You can pick the Boston College Wake Forest idea, but that was just off the top of my head. Each of you pick one that you feel is best for us. Send it in. Yeah, I like it. All right, let's get to Reddit and get out of here. All right, uh, this is from, oh my God, what the fuck, Barbecue Crew. Uh, with That's his name. It's just OMG WTF BBQ Crew. I just read it out. With the season cancellation, Oregon is now the only team to have an undefeated record in 2020. Do you think they should be declared 2020 Pac-12 champs by default? Au contraire, mon ami! Uh, no way. Everyone has an undefeated record. Yeah. What Oregon has is works. a win. Oh, they do have one win, yes. Yeah, 1-0. and Oregon's the champs. I think you're right. But everyone's undefeated. This was UCLA's first undefeated season since 1954 when they won a natty. Yeah, it's pretty special. Yeah, very special time. Uh, um, do you want me to do follow-up? Yeah, please do. So follow-up to that, USC will uh, now also go winless in 2020 under Clay Helton. Do you think this will increase the temperature of his hot seat? I get this question. I mean, like, not like a tongue-in-cheek version. Like, people ask, like, hey, could he still be fired now? It's like, no, he's got this guaranteed contract. They're not going to get rid of him. It does knock a year off the contract. That's the only thing. That's like a positive uh, if you're trying to – if you're a USC fan, you want to get rid of Clay Helton. But he it lo- he loses either an opportunity to show that the team was better and they could have like played Alabama tough and beat Notre Dame and whatever and won the Pac-12 or could have went 6-6 six and six with a really great roster and showed everyone that he's just not a good head coach. So I think you just kind of lose that opportunity to show, you know, what who he really is. And so it's just – and then next year, if, like, say they don't play 2020, USC's 2021 team is not going to be as good, as talented as the 2020 team. The 2020 team would be really talented. Um, 2021, I don't think it will be as talented. So it might be tough. Like, this was a year that it could have used. I think it would, I think it hurts Clay Helton not to have 2020, uh, especially 2020 only conference games. So losing that, you know, Alabama and Notre Dame gave him a real opportunity. Now that could be lost. Right. All right, and then another one from same guy. What do you think will be recruiting impacts to the Pac-12 schools of some other P5 conferences recklessly going ahead with playing the fall season? Um, I don't think there will be much. Um, it would require these schools having roster spots open. It would require a bunch of weird stuff. Um, and I, I just don't see what the impact would be. If the Pac-12 still intends to have a season next year, that's what would really matter to recruits right now um and if there's a potential spring season in the offing for the pac-12 and the big 10 it could even be a recruiting advantage 
hey, come in early and actually play in the game. Yeah. And I think it really leads to this next question from Anthony 209, potential on transfers. I don't think for recruiting it matters as much. The recruiting stuff is really weird because we don't know what the signing period is going to be, if it's going to change, can early enrollees play. That could be a benefit where you're like, hey, I'd rather go to a Big Ten school or a Pac-12 school as an early enrollee and play like right away in the spring instead of going to practice. Um, but you just it, that's kind of the future stuff. And you just don't know. We we haven't had a, a non-recruiting dead period for like six months now, and it's not going to end. So you can't take visits. Coaches can't go evaluate. So the, the recruiting aspect is really weird. So it's a lot of like. Um, it's sort of like just everything written, like these IOUs, like they're out there, people committing, people decommitting, but just people are doing things like sight unseen, you know? And I don't think it'll affect it that much. The transfer thing is legit, potentially. Um, you know, I talked to some people at USC, they weren't all that concerned. Uh, they thought that they could use the, you know, hey, our conference really cares about the players and they could use that as a, uh, you know, a, so, you know, an attractive feature for them to bring, you know, to keep student athletes there or, or attract some transfers that maybe want to opt out and don't want to play during COVID. But the, yeah, I, I just don't know if it's going to be that big of a, of a deal because right now we're in this limbo stage, like Dave said, if you transfer out and then you just sit out because they, you know, they, you transfer to like Lubbock tomorrow and then you have to sit out because they, they, tomorrow they cancel the season um, that kind of sucks, right? So it's I I think if you the season starts and they start playing, maybe there'd be some transfers that you actually know that they're playing, but I think people are kind of like taking this more cautious approach now. So it's I mean everything's on the table, but I think transfers would be a bigger deal than recruiting, at least right now. Yeah, I agree. Uh then we got one last one from Tom. Okay. Um, well, first of all, how much Civil War content is acceptable to keep the POC going over the next 12 months? Well, uh, are we talking like Oregon, Oregon State or the uh, that thing that happened in like 1865 or the second Civil War that appears to be coming soon? <laughs> <laughs> Joking, but am I? Um, yeah, any amount of any kind of tomfoolery will probably be acceptable on this show, as you know, as everyone out there knows. I would uh, think, um, but we want look, some unique. We will, we will talk as if we know things about anything, and by we, I mean I. Ryan is more circumspect. He'll occasionally say, "I don't know." You'll never hear those <laughs> words come out of my mouth. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, definitely didn't know as much about the presidents, but we did a pretty good job, I think. When I we think we handled some... the presidents. I, I knew a little covered... more than the presidents than I thought I did, I guess. But you know, that's good. We covered the presidents. We nailed that. But those, those are things you just don't. I still haven't read that book yet, but I'll, I'll try to this weekend. Um, well, yeah, we're not going to take the next like six months off. We're going to keep uh, keep plugging away because that's what we do. Even if the Pac-12 folds as a conference, we'll probably keep this thing going as just one, you know, like held up in in effigy or of some sort. We would we would have to. I bet you there's like XFL podcasts that are still going on right now. You know. Yeah. No, um, it would be like the last blockbuster. Like you know, <laughs> that would just be us. Just hanging they out. They tweeted Carrying Blockbuster the like torch. tweeted something. Yeah. I I saw somebody retweet like Blockbuster like tweeted something. I I don't know. So I'm like, wow, they're still around? Or yeah. somewhat. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that is David Woods. Uh, I am Ryan Abraham. And we are 
the podcast of champions. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Dave, thank you. This was fun. Yes, that's not the way you usually end this. I know. Well, I wasn't ending it that way. But I feel bad for everyone out there. We wanted Pac-12 football. It's not happening. Um, but we'll, we'll keep you entertained. And we'll do whatever we can to do that. So thanks for tuning in. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you for doing it right. Bye!